Volume One, Chapter Three of The Day Will Come by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. A deadly silence, step by step, increased until it seemed a horrid presence there. That idea of the Strangways had taken hold of the bride's fancy. She went into the hall with Godfrey after dinner, and they looked together at the family group the picture was a bishop's half-length turned lengthwise and the figure showed only the head and shoulders the girl stood between the two boys her left arm round her younger brother's neck he was a lad of eleven or twelve in a neaten jacket and broad white collar the other boy was older than the girl and was dressed in dark green corduroy the heads were masterly but the picture was uninteresting did you ever see three faces with so little fascination among the three asked godfrey the boys look errant cubs the girl has the makings of a handsome woman but the lines of her mouth and chin have firmness enough for forty and yet she could hardly have been over fifteen when that picture was painted she has a lovely throat and lovely shoulders yes the painter has made the most of those and she has fine eyes fine as to colour and shape but as cold as a toledo blade and as dangerous i pity her husband that must be a waste of pity if he had been good to her she would not have run away from him i am not sure of that a woman with that mouth and chin would go her own gate if she trampled upon bleeding hearts i wonder your father keeps these shadows of a vanished race he would not part with them for worlds they are like the peacock feathers that he will bring indoors i sometimes think he has a fancy for unlucky things he says that as we have no ancestors of our own to speak of i suppose we must have ancestors for everybody must have come down from adam somehow naturally or from adam's ancestor the common progenitor of the darwinian thesis don't be horrid father's idea is that as we have no ancestors of our own we may as well keep the strangway portraits the faces are the history of the house father said when mother wanted those dismal old pictures taken down to make way for a collection of modern art so there they are and i can't help thinking that they overlook us they were still standing before the trio of young faces contemplatively are they all dead asked juanita after a pause god knows i believe it is a long time since any of them were heard of jasper blake talks to me about them sometimes he was in service here you know before he became my father's bailiff in fact he only left cheriton after the old squire's death he is fond of talking of the forgotten race and it is from him that most of my information is derived he told me about that unlucky lad pointing to the younger boy he was in the navy distinguished himself out in china and was on the high road to getting a ship when he got broke from drunkenness a flagrant case which all but ended in a tremendous disaster and the burning of a man of war he went into the merchant service did well for a year or two and then the old enemy took hold of him again and he got broke there after that he dropped through disappeared in the great dismal swamp where the men who fail in this world sink out of knowledge and the elder boy what became of him he was in the army a tremendous swell i believe married lord dangerfield's youngest daughter and cut a dash for two or three years and then disappeared from society and took his wife to corsica on the ground of delicate health for anything i know to the contrary they may still be living in that free and easy little island he was fond of sport and liked a rough life i fancy that ajaccio would suit him better than purbeck or pall mall poor things i wonder if they ever long for cheriton if old jasper is to be believed they were passionately fond of the place especially that girl 
jasper was groom in those days and he taught her to ride she was a regular daredevil according to his account with a temper that no one had ever been able to control but she seems to have behaved pretty well to jasper and he was attached to her her father couldn't manage her anyhow they were too much alike he sent her to a school at lausanne soon after the picture was painted and she never came back to cheriton she ran away with an english officer who was home from india on furlough and was staying at ouchy for his health she represented herself as a full age and contrived to get married at geneva the squire refused ever to see her or her husband she ran away from the husband afterwards as i told you in fact to quote jasper she was an incorrigible bolter poor poor thing it is all too sad sighed juanita let us go into the library and forget them there are no strangways there thank heaven she put her arm through godfrey's and led him off unresisting he was in that stage of devotion in which he followed her like a dog the library was one of the best rooms in the house but the least interesting from an archaeologist's point of view it had been built early in the eighteenth century for a ballroom a long narrow room with five tall windows and it had been afterwards known as the music-room but james dalbrook had improved it out of its original character by throwing out a large bay with three windows opening on to a semicircular terrace with marble balustrade and steps leading down to the prettiest portion of that italian garden which was the crowning glory of cheriton manor and which it had been lord cheriton's delight to improve the spacious bay gave width and dignity to the room and it was in the space between the bay and the fireplace that people naturally grouped themselves it was too large a room to be warmed by one fire of ordinary dimensions but the fireplace added by james dalbrook was of abnormal width and grandeur while the chimney-piece was rich in coloured marbles and massive sculpture the room was lined with books from floor to ceiling clusters of wax candles were burning on the mantelpiece and two large moderator lamps stood on a massive carved oak table in the centre of the room a table spacious enough to hold all the magazines reviews and periodicals in three languages that were worth reading quarterlies revue des deux mondes runchow figaro world saturday truth and the rest of them as well as guide-books peerages clergy and army lists which made a formidable range in the middle godfrey flung himself into a long low armchair and juanita perched herself lightly beside him on the cushioned arm looking down at him from that point of vantage there was a wood fire here as well as in the hall but the rain was over now the evening had grown warmer and the french windows in the bay stood open to the dull grey night what are you reading now godfrey asked juanita glancing at the cosy double table in a corner by the chimney-piece loaded with books above and below for duty reading jones's book on grattan and the irish parliament for old books plato for new wider horizons he was an insatiable reader and even in those long summer days of honeymoon bliss he had felt the need of books which were a habit of his life is wider horizons a good book it is full of imagination and it carries one away but one has the same feeling as in esoteric buddhism it is a very comforting theory and it ought to be true but by what authority is this gospel preached to us and on what evidence are we to believe wider horizons is about the life to come Yes it gives us a very vivid picture of our existence in other planets the author writes as if he had been there and according to this theory you and i are to meet and be happy again in some distant star in many stars climbing from star to star and achieving a higher spirituality 
a finer essence with every new existence until we attain the everlasting perfection and we who are to die old and worn out here are to be young and bright again there in our next world naturally and then we shall grow old again go through the same slow decay gray hairs fading sight duller hearing yes as we blossom so we must fade the withered husk of the old life holds the seed from which the new flower must spring and with every incarnation the flower is to gain in vigour and beauty and the life period is to lengthen till it touches infinity i must read the book godfrey it may be all a dream but i love even dreams that promise a future in which you and i shall always be together as we are now as we are now she repeated those last four words with infinite tenderness the beautiful head sank down to nestle upon his shoulder and they were silent for some minutes in a dreamy reverie gazing into the fire where the logs had given out their last flame and were slowly fading from red to grey it was a quarter to eleven by the dial let into the marble of the chimney-piece the butler had brought a tray with wine and water at ten o'clock and had taken the final orders before retiring juanita and her husband were alone amid the stillness of the sleeping household the night was close and dull not a leaf stirring and only a few dim stars in the heavy sky as the clock tolled the third quarter with a small silvery chime as if it were a town clock in fairyland juanita started suddenly from her half-reclining position and listened intently with her face towards the open window a footstep she exclaimed i heard a footstep on the terrace my dearest i know your hearing is quicker than mine but this time it is your fancy that heard and not your ears i heard nothing and who should be walking on the terrace at such an hour do you suppose i don't suppose anything about it but i know there was someone i heard the steps godfrey i heard them as distinctly as i heard you speak just now light footsteps slow very slow and with that cautious treacherous sound which light slow footsteps always have if one hears them in the silence of night you are very positive i know it i heard it she cried running to the window and out into the grey night she ran along the whole length of the terrace and back again her husband following her with slower steps and they found no one heard nothing from one end to the other you see love there was no one there said godfrey i see nothing of the kind only that the someone who was there has vanished very cleverly an eavesdropper might hide easily enough behind any one of those cypresses she said pointing to the obelisk-shaped trees which showed black against the dim grey of the night why should there be any eavesdropper love what secrets have you and i that any prowler should care to watch or listen the only person of the prowling kind to be apprehended would be a burglar and as cheriton has been burglar-free all these years i see no reason for fear so unless your mysterious footfall belonged to one of the servants or a servant's follower which is highly improbable at this side of the house i take it that you must have heard a ghost he had his arm around her and was leading her out of the misty night into the warm bright room and his voice had the light sound of laughter but at that word ghost she started and trembled and her voice was very serious as she answered a ghost yes it was just like the footfall of a ghost so slow so soft so mysterious i believe it was a ghost godfrey a strangway ghost some of them must revisit this house End of chapter three